It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We bring you news and analysis every day on the Sound On podcast. But now you can get the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Search Bloomberg News Now and subscribe today. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Reports earlier of sirens blaring in northern Israel. We've had some conflicting reports coming out of the aircraft had penetrated the country's airspace. That is apparently not the case. Israel just ruling out now officially an airspace infiltration in the north. We're just hearing that from the IDF. Israeli jets, according to Bloomberg, and we're reading this on the terminal here together, did strike targets in Lebanon after the militia there launched guided missiles at an army post in northern Israel, underscoring what Chairman McCall just said. Now, it appears we have breaking news coming from Capitol Hill as well. I want to be careful with this now, but things are moving quickly, as I mentioned, in the race for speaker coming down to Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan. We are already getting reports now that Steve Scalise is uh, going to win the Republican nomination for House Speaker. Remembering this was the vote today behind closed doors before this goes into the House chamber for a real vote in public as soon as tomorrow. The Republican conference did not want to bring that vote to the floor unless they knew the outcome. And here we are now with the first report from Axios that Steve Scalise has won the Republican nomination for House Speaker. We're going to get to General Panaro here, but I have to bring in the panel with this breaking story. Rick Davis, Bloomberg politics contributor and Republican strategist, is with us uh, in New York at World Headquarters. Jeannie Shanzano in New York as well. If we can get to Rick uh, on this uh, breaking story here, pretty remarkable speed, Rick, and a narrative that has changed incredibly quickly since this time yesterday when we thought it would take days if not weeks Uh, this follows a vote earlier a vote against increasing the threshold that would be required for uh, a candidate to win this nomination what's your first reaction 
Yeah, I think it's uh, amazingly quick. Um, but the key thing is what you said, Joe, which is a uh, rule was defeated that was offered by Chip Roy that required the caucus to uh, require 217 votes uh, for anybody to be reported out by the caucus, therefore ensuring that whoever is the, uh, the, the recommendation by the caucus could actually win the speakership. That was defeated, opening the gates for uh, uh, Steve Scalise to win. He was opposed to that measure, and Jim Jordan was for it. And so it was a bit of a proxy fight. And when that mm-hmm. did not pass, then it only required a majority of those uh, voting at the uh, caucus to make a recommendation. But you pointed out the key thing, Joe. This is just a recommendation. The caucus is, under its rules, required to support whoever comes out of this caucus vote, whoever gets the majority. So technically, these Republicans are going to march down to the floor probably pretty quick, take a vote, and 220 of them are going to vote for Stephen Scalise. We're not sure that's actually going to happen. Uh, Kevin McCarthy couldn't make that magic work. And so uh, the next hurdle is the key hurdle for uh, success to reach the speakership if you're Steve Scalise. Remarkable. If you're just joining us on Bloomberg Radio and on YouTube, uh, we do have breaking news. Steve Scalise has won the Republican nomination to be the next speaker. That's ahead of a floor vote that has yet to be scheduled, though, as we were just suggesting, it might be uh, tomorrow, certainly as soon as tomorrow. Steve Scalise said earlier he was confident we would have a speaker by the end of the day. Jeannie, how did this change so quickly under our feet? You know, I I think the reality is, is that Steve Scalise has enormous institutional and organizational advantages here that Jim Jordan just simply did not have. And when that rule went down, it paved the way for him to win the majority of the caucus. And that's why Scalise's folks were whipping so hard against that rule and for support. So I think, you know, this is a positive sign. And we have to say that cautiously that what has always mattered in the house fundraising the ability to whip the ability to lead the caucus the ability to push through an agenda all those things matter the key question now is can he get the 217 218 needed on the floor to push this through this would be an enormous embarrassment for the Republican Party if they march down to that floor and he doesn't get the votes needed. And we are back to where we were in January with, you know, vote after vote after vote and then him being in a position of having to strike deals like Kevin McCarthy. They need to avoid that. That is the next test for Republicans. Can he keep them in lockstep here, move this to a quick vote and wrap this up, be named speaker and move forward to the business of the people? Rick, the vote 113 to 99, what does that tell you about what Steve Scalise is in for on the floor? He's got some work to do. I mean, he's not even close to a 218 needed to win the speakership. And so uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the temporary speaker uh, uh, allows some time to repair and reach out across uh, the uh, caucus to uh, try to work on getting to the floor with a with a with a with a 218 vote, um, Jeannie's right. I mean, this is this is something that Kevin McCarthy, who was considered at the top of his game, couldn't accomplish. Uh, there is a lot of pressure uh, that exists today because of the events in Israel and the pending uh, government uh, shutdown. If they don't pass a uh, spending bill, uh, so there is a lot more pressure today than there was. 
uh, when Kevin McCarthy uh, tried to get the vote for himself in January of last of this year. So um, we'll mm-hmm. see if that pressure can actually get people to come to grips with the fact that this is a dysfunctional caucus that needs to show up and actually start working. And that requires a speaker in the job and, and it requires it to happen quick. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeannie, after what we've seen from this conference, and Rick is reminding us to to be careful here, a lot of things could still happen. And considering that margin and some of the shenanigans that we've seen uh, just in the last week from Matt Gates and his colleagues here, uh, I, I'm, I'm not ruling out anything, and I suspect that you are as well. If your name is Patrick McHenry or even Kevin McCarthy, you still see some potential opportunities here, or maybe you're fearing them either way. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you're absolutely right, as is Rick. We can expect potentially maybe some drama on the floor. You know, one of the interesting things from the meeting last night, both Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan said the words that apparently Matt Gates did not want to hear or the other seven. We may need a CR to keep the government open past November 17th. I don't know if that's going to, you know, be any better coming out of their mouths than it was Kevin McCarthy's. But, you know, that is the type of thing that may withhold or cause them to withhold some votes. And so he does have some ground to make up here. But again, we can't stress enough the embarrassment to the Republican Party if they come to the floor and do this all over again. They need to try to hang together. Um, You know, you know, Democrats are going to do that. And by the way, you mentioned Kevin McCarthy. He has not made this smooth sailing for Steve Scalise. He's been flirting with the idea of potentially being open to a nomination, now pulling it back. You know, you've been talking to him. He's going back and forth on this. They've got to get their act together. And Steve Scalise really has to try to hold these folks together and move this forward. And maybe the pressure of what's going on around the world is just what they need Mm -hmm. to hang together. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see more drama when they get to the floor. So we'll see if they get to the floor, of course, Uh, Rick. That was an interesting move to knock down the idea of raising the threshold to 217. It would have made it much more difficult for Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan to win that nomination today. What was the strategy? Brian Fitzpatrick and Chip Roy uh, were the two lawmakers who wanted to change uh, that threshold. What was the strategy there? Yeah, the concept there was to uh, uh, make sausage behind closed doors. Uh, it, we, you know, when Kevin McCarthy uh, took 15 ballots to get to the speakership, uh, it was because he couldn't get to that 218 number. And we got to watch it on C-SPAN. And as entertaining as it was, uh, it made the party look in total disarray and weakened him as a speaker. Uh, so, so why was- did Steve Scalise oppose it? Uh, Steve Scalise opposed it because he d- couldn't get in his mind to 217. And so, but now he's going to be blowing in the wind on the House floor, potentially, like Kevin McCarthy was, right? Hey, politics is about living to fight another day. He gets to now walk out <laughs> as, the, uh, okay. as the choice of the Republican caucus, again, with a rule that says if you're a Republican on the floor, you're supposed to vote for that person. And, and sure, there may be some mopping up to do, but at a minimum, you would think he could replicate the Kevin McCarthy 210 that he got when, uh, when he was challenged for speaker. And, and then the question is, you know, can he find another eight votes? And so uh, I did think it was really interesting that Kevin McCarthy had to walk out this morning. His people have been yeah. supporting 
um, uh, Jim Jordan and say, oh, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to put my name in the nomination after sort of implying yesterday they did, because everybody I talked to thought that really undercut Jordan. Jordan was sort of the guy who was going to take up the the more conservative side of the McCarthy mantle. And McCarthy was lobbying a little bit against Scalise. So, I mean, like this is a caucus that is still just as divided today after this vote as it was going into it. So it'll, and and now the good news for us is we get to watch it all unfold on C-SPAN again. (laughs) If only we could have all the cameras we had back in January. All right, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are going to stay with us here. We're painting out of a couple of buckets today, our other major story. And we didn't expect we'd have this breaker on the speaker for you. Steve Scalise winning the nomination to be speaker, setting up a full floor vote. We've also, of course, got a rapidly developing situation in Israel. Those same lawmakers who were in the conference uh, to vote for Steve Scalise, along with their Democratic colleagues, were briefed at 8.30 this morning. Michael McCall, who chairs the Foreign Affairs Committee, is going to join us a bit later on this hour, expressed two major concerns when he emerged from that meeting. He was the moderator as the administration delivered the source material. Michael McCall says... It was an intelligence failure. Egypt warned Israel three days before this happened. Why did nothing happen? And also the potential for escalation as he points to concerns about what's happening in the north. I asked John Kirby yesterday on Bloomberg's Balance of Power about concerns of escalation uh, with the Gerald Ford carrier strike group now steaming toward the eastern Mediterranean. Now apparently the Ike is on its way too. the USS Eisenhower reportedly also steaming in that direction. And he made very clear that America had strict guidelines on the level of involvement that we will see in Gaza. Here's what he said. There's absolutely no intention, no plan to put American boots on the ground in this conflict in Israel. But we do have serious national security interests that we have to make sure that we have the options to protect if we need to. The idea of escalation, though, uh, does make us wonder when we see headlines today, Israeli jets striking targets in Lebanon after the militia there launched guided missiles at an army post in northern Israel, there were reports of another uh, incursion in the air to the north that Israel said uh, did not pan out to be true. Let's bring in Arnold Panaro, the retired two-star Marine Corps Major General, is back with us on Bloomberg, former staff director of the Senate Armed Services Committee, author of the book, The Ever-Shrinking Fight Force. General, it's great to see you, and we welcome you back. I wonder if you share those same concerns as Chairman McCall as we prepare for a ground invasion in Gaza. Well, Joe, I, I certainly do. And Chairman McCall is one of the most capable, most thoughtful, most insightful national security leaders we have in the Congress. And let me just start, though, by saying I identify with the tremendous insights that Rick and Jeannie just gave you. And one of the reasons why it's so important to get a speaker as quickly as possible is Congress has not passed any of the funding bills. Our Department of Defense, the Ford Carrier Strike Group, the Ike strike groups, they're operating under a continuing resolution. At last year's level, the Pentagon is losing over $3 billion a month in purchasing power. The world is in flames. We have a war in Europe. We have a war in the Middle East. We have Xi Jinping threatening Taiwan, and the Congress hasn't passed. And now we're worried about another CR, and we've got to fund Israel. The United States needs to basically do whatever it takes politically, diplomatically, financially and frankly, militarily, to basically protect the state of Israel. And frankly, I'm really disappointed in in Kirby, who I have great respect for. Uh, You never take anything off the table militarily. And if if Lebanon and Iran try to escalate, the United States should make it very clear. And I think one of the reasons we have a carrier battle group uh, 
in the Eastern Med is so that if they try something, uh, they will pay severe consequences. And so while you may not mm -hmm. certainly want boots on the ground, we certainly have a lot of capability uh, if Iran or Hezbollah or Syria or anybody else starts stirring the pot. But Mike, but Chairman McCall is, is legitimately and should be concerned. But I think uh, there some, would be some counters to that. Over. Well, talk to me more about that. Uh, the idea of projecting American power with a carrier strike group is not unique. But in this case, are we providing command and control operations? Are we actually standing by fueling up fighter jets in case something happens here? This is clearly not an air war yet. Well, look, we, we have tremendous command and control in the Middle East because we've been operating in the Middle East for years. We've had, you know, uh, air, air command and control um, through many wars and through many uh, operations. We've got that now. We've got major base operations there. So we have command and control capability for our forces. And we certainly are in a position to share uh, needed information with our allies and partners like Israel. So um, and, and, you know, there was some additional capability. Frank Kendall, the secretary of the Air Force, in a public session at the Atlantic Council yesterday mentioned that uh, we're maintaining a beefed up presence with fighter and other uh, command and control elements in the Middle East. So the United mm -hmm. States is doing the right thing, uh, putting more force on the, uh, in the area. When you hear that the Ike is now steaming that way as well, we're talking about two carrier groups here, General. This is an enormous amount of firepower we're sending to that part of the world. When you start looking at the long game here, does it point to Iran? Well, certainly, I think, um, you know, you don't need to have access to highly classified information to understand that Iran has basically organized, trained, and equipped Hamas, not just in the last couple of months, not just in the last year, but for decades, S certainly Hezbollah and certainly the Houthis and other terrorist groups. So Iran is at the, the root cause of all these problems. And frankly, they've gotten to the point now where they've got over 90%. Some people say close to 95% enriched uranium. We're going to have to deal with Iran at some point. And so... Uh, they are they are the basically root cause of all of the issues going on uh, right now with Hamas. Jake Sullivan at the White House, a national security advisor, says the U.S. does not have specific information linking Iran to this attack. The chairman McCall did make that reference earlier, and he made a similar point that you did. If, if you're a, a citizen of the world, you're aware of this relationship. And he's calling on the administration to, quote unquote, refreeze uh, the $6 billion uh, that were part of this prisoner swap. How important will it be, General, for the White House, for the administration to provide evidence, or the government of Israel, for that matter, to provide evidence to show that link between Hamas, Iran, and this attack? Well, I probably may be in a minority, but I don't think it's important at all. Everybody knows Iran's behind this. They've been going after the United States since they took our hostages when Jimmy Carter was president. We know that they're the most malign actor. We know they have huge surpluses because of this sale of oil, which was supposed to be sanctioned, but the sanctions haven't operated. I'd take that $6 billion and I'd give it to Israel. Um, Iran shouldn't get that money. Uh, refreeze it. Hell, give it to Israel. Put it in the supplemental. Let's talk about the supplemental. It looks like it could be a combination of funding for Israel, for Ukraine, for the border, and for Taiwan. Does that slow things down in your mind? Should there be a more direct approach? 
Well, I, I certainly uh, uh, would be in favor of packaging it all in one, but I know there are a lot of people that, on the Hill, and I track the Hill as Rick and, and Jeannie do, that don't want to do that. Yeah. But look, the number one thing right now is we have got to get what Israel needs to basically wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. So that's number job one. We also need to ensure that Putin does, does not succeed in Ukraine. We need to deter uh, t uh, Xi Jinping vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan. And we need to secure our own borders. Look at what happened in Israel over the weekend when their borders were not secure. Uh, whether it can package it all up in one big lump sum, uh, that certainly would be the right way to do it. Uh, but the Congress has not shown me uh, in recent years or recent months uh, that they have their act together on anything. The Congress is about as broken as I've ever seen it. It's ridiculous that we're talking about more CRs in the world's own flame. So Congress needs to get off their duff and do their job. Well, I'll tell you what, last time you were here, we were talking about Tommy Tuberville's blockade uh, against military promotions. Now we're talking about a world without a speaker, uh, which will need to change if any of this money is going to be appropriated. Uh, General, we spent some time this week talking about the DIB, the Defense Industrial Base, and concerns about even if monies are appropriated, weapon systems are ordered for the likes of Israel, Ukraine, and here in the U.S. in terms of replenishment, that we can't simply make the stuff fast enough. What does the White House, what does Congress do about it? Well, Joe, unfortunately, the situation is that our defense industrial base, which was consolidated after Secretary of Defense Bill Perry had the Last Supper, and the way the DOD structured their buying habits, uh, our industry has been consolidated, and we don't have sufficient industrial capacity to support our own national defense strategy, either the one that was put in place by Trump or the one that's in place now under Biden, which is relatively unchanged from what Secretary of Defense Mattis put in place. We don't have that capacity. We've got to build that capacity. It takes time to build that capacity, and it takes uh, an effort by the White House and the Pentagon. I would say on a positive note here, Bill LaPlante, the Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment, the Assistant Secretary for Industrial Base Policy, Dr. Laura taylor Kale, they're working on a new industrial policy, a new industrial strategy. Uh, and I think we in the industry have been in touch with them. Uh, I think that we are prepared to make the kind of investments that are needed as long as the demand signal is there and it's going to be continuous. You can't basically call up industry one day and say, hey, look, you got to build some more 155 artillery shells, yeah. um, but we're only going to give you a contract for three months or six months or even a year. I mean, if you want to build the kind of capacity we need to implement the national defense strategy, but also to basically uh, support our allies and our partners, uh, Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, uh, that's a multi-year effort. And, and the Congress, I mm -hmm. think, is very supportive of that. They've added one of the tremendous advantages we have vis-a-vis -vis China is our submarine force. Congress has added money for that and improving the industrial base there. But this is not something that's going to be sorted out and settled um, in the next couple of months. But having said that, they've got to pass this supplemental for Ukraine and for Israel and get these things under contract. And, and we will produce them as fast as we can. We're going to be talking in just a moment with Congressman Michael McCall, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, is going to be joining us as he's just emerging from this meeting uh, to nominate another speaker. General Pinaro, next time we talk, whether this is in weeks from now, maybe a month from now, are we going to be talking about a wider conflict, an escalating conflict in Israel? 
that's certainly a possibility. I mean, no one can predict. I mean, look, that, that one thing you all know, we all know, is, is war is totally unpredictable and the enemy gets a vote. Uh, I think if the United States is very firm and has the support of our allies, the United Kingdom, France, Italy, uh, the major NATO partners, and we basically say to the people that would escalate, which is basically Iran, uh, Hezbollah, and others like that, you escalate, uh, basically, you're going to pay some severe consequences. I don't think we'll be talking about a wider war. And certainly, if we don't provide the kind of implements of war that Israel needs um, to take care of Hamas and Gaza, and by the way, that's going to be a very, very difficult conduct, operations in built-up areas, Clausewitz has said is one of the most difficult operations. It favors the defender, which is Hamas. It's going to be bloody. It's going to take a long time. But Israel has no option but to do it to to, to basically keep the state of Israel to survive. General, it's great to have you, and I appreciate your insights today. Never one to mince words. Arnold Pinaro, retired two-star Marine Corps general, who spent time as staff director of the Senate Armed Services Committee. We're going to be speaking with the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee in a moment as uh, we prepare to make a connection with Congressman Michael McCall. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks for being with us here on Bloomberg Sound On with two major stories that we're following here developing before our eyes. And we've spent the hour discussing them with Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano as we now prepare to add the voice of Congressman Michael McCall. For starters, a breaker here on Bloomberg this hour, Steve Scalise has been nominated to be the next Republican Speaker of the House. This was the vote that took place behind closed doors that will lead to at least eventually a floor vote that would codify this. And there are reports that that could happen as soon as today, even though some expected it originally to be on Wednesday. We're also following the bead on Israel here. With constant updates, there was concern about an infiltration in the north earlier. The Israelis have clarified that to not be the case. But there was an all-hands briefing in the House by the administration earlier today. And moderating that briefing was the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee who joins us right now from Capitol Hill, Congressman Michael McCall. Uh, we welcome you back, Mr. Chairman. It's good to see you, and I know you're having a very busy day here. If I could start with the matter of Israel, you said some important things to reporters in your briefing uh, when you emerged, beginning with the fact that the Egyptians gave intelligence to Israel three days before the attack that apparently was not acted upon. Do we know why? Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't even know at what levels the intelligence was shared. Um, but, you know, I, I think um, my concern is if we miss this one, they've been planning, Hamas had been planning this for over a year, uh, and we missed it. And if we miss that, then what about Hezbollah? What about uh, uh, ISIS in, uh, in Syria? What about what Iran is still doing behind the scenes or the Shia Iran proxies? Um, it made me question uh, the, our intelligence capabilities here. I think our biggest yep. fear, Joe, is an escalation where I think the fear has always been that if Hamas hit from the south and then Hezbollah hit with 100,000 rockets from the north, they would overload the Iron Dome uh, and, mm -hmm. and destroy Israel. And so I think that is what we're, most of us are concerned about right now is the escalation that could take place and how good is our intelligence with respect to that. And then finally, what is our force projection in the region for deterrence purposes to avoid that kind of conflict? Well, we know the Gerald Ford uh, Carrier Strike Group is on its way to the Eastern Mediterranean. There are reports now uh, that the USS Eisenhower is also on its way. It, Mr. Chairman, do you know if the Ike is going in the same direction? Yes, I believe they're, they're headed towards the Mediterranean. Uh, and I think that's a good showing of force. Uh, again, I think the goal here is to contain Hamas in Gaza, and that's going to be a, a huge effort on the part of the IDF to have to go in after the, the bombing of their command and control and then go house to house to clear the terrorists out and also rescue the hostages that they're using as human shields. But we cannot afford, again, the scenario of uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon coming in uh, or other um, radical terrorist organizations. So. Uh, I applaud the administration for that forced projection of these two, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, aircraft carriers and battleships now uh, in the region. Yeah. We think that will provide deterrence. 
Mr. Chairman, we spoke with John Kirby at the White House uh, about the role that the Jerry Ford uh, Carrier Group might play in the region. He indicated that it would be, uh, that is a deterrent, he said, and that it would be effectively command and control. But there have been others who've suggested the need for, and I think you may have spoken to this, the need for U.S. Special Forces to help find hostages, uh, specifically American hostages, in Gaza. Is that going to happen? I know that we're coordinating with the IDF. They take the lead. We can provide assistance. We can provide the, uh, the arms. We can provide the, um, you know, the uh, training, if you will. Our special forces did this in Iraq uh, for many years, like in Fallujah in 2004, and we're quite frankly the best at doing this. Um, and I know the FBI hostage rescue team has been tapped into as well because we have American hostages now. Uh, we don't have a definitive answer, but we know about 20 Americans are missing, uh, and we don't know where they are. Uh, I would uh, speculate, and I normally don't, but I, I'm sure we have hostages now in the Gaza, and I think getting those Americans out is our number one priority. Admiral Kirby also said the U.S. is now set to send additional arms aid to Israel in the coming days. Congressman, how much can we send now? Uh, without actually bringing a supplemental budget request to the floor? That's a great question. I authorized $3.3 billion in foreign military financing to Israel. Uh, so far, uh, $420 million of that has been appropriated by Congress. Uh, so that can be made available. Also, there is a presidential drawdown authority, and that's about $100 million that he can use to send weapons. What they need right now are the interceptors for the Iron Dome. They need the precision-guided uh, missiles, and they need the 155 ammunition stockpiles. Um, according to the administration, they have, uh, have that right now. But this is why it's so critical for us to elect a speaker today, because we cannot move on the House floor until we have a speaker. And this is a very dangerous time, obviously, it, you know, it was yeah. dangerous enough with Putin in Ukraine, Chairman Xi in Taiwan, the Pacific, and now we got the Middle East flaring up again. Well, let's talk about the speaker, uh, Chairman McCall. You had a pretty interesting meeting early on today. A lot of people didn't think this was going to happen, but Steve Scalise has been nominated to be the next Republican speaker. Did you vote for him? I did. I did. Um, I, I can't tell you. It was a secret ballot, so I can't tell you by how much, but... I think right now the uh, opposing factions are trying to work this out so that when we go to the floor, we get the requisite 217 votes necessary to elect uh, a speaker, not designee, but the speaker of the House. And then we can take control of the House. Uh, and uh, Scalise told me the first bill he plans to put on the floor is my uh, resolution, co-sponsored by 400 members of Congress, by the way, very bipartisan, condemning Hamas uh, and showing support for Israel. I saw that. 400 co-sponsors, yourself and ranking member Meeks brought forth the resolution. Will that be the first order of business once there is a speaker? It will. And uh, uh, I talked to Steve Scalise about this. He said, I want your bill to be the very first bill on the floor um, after we elect him as the, the permanent speaker. And I hope we can do that today because... Uh, it's a message from uh, the American people through their representatives that we do support Israel. Sorry, I'm having technical difficulties. 
we do support Israel um, and the American people through their representatives. I think the rest of the world needs to hear that from the Congress. Yeah. Well, how is this going to work from here then? Do we see a vote today on, a, on the next speaker? Some reports are suggesting this could be within hours. It could be as early as uh, 3 o'clock is what uh, you know, I, my information uh, is. Wow. Again, I think we're working with the two factions, if you will, the Jordan camp and the Swiss camp, to make sure that when we go to the floor, we don't have the scenario we had last time with McCarthy where you have 15 ballots. That doesn't demonstrate strength. That demonstrates dysfunction and weakness. So I think it's very important we hold together and that we, we put this on the floor when we know we have the 217. Uh, we have enough drama right now, not only in Washington, but in the Middle East and in Ukraine and in, and in the Pacific. So um, I hope we get to that number. We get it done today. Boy, that would be remarkable and prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, Mr. Chairman, what about the, the, the eight so-called troublemakers in your Republican conference? What's different now from last week? That's a very good question. And, and that is going to be the will of the conference to get them to break. Uh, we don't have to have all eight of them to get to 217, uh, but we need a few of them. And I think that's going to be the critical mass uh, point here is getting, uh, getting some of those eight votes to, to move over to, to unify as a conference. Uh, this is not good for the Republican Party if we can't unify, but it's not good for the American people either, um, especially at a, the dangerous time that we're in right now. What I meant said to my conference was that we cannot afford this anymore. Let's, let's be grown-ups in the room. Let's get a speaker in the chair. And let's do the business of the people and stop messing around with politics. You know, as, as we're seeing across the world, it is getting more and more dangerous and we need to pass that supplemental. And if we don't have a speaker, uh, then we can't do that. I'd like to finish there with you, Mr. Chairman, the idea of a supplemental request for Israel uh, now being combined with that for Ukraine, Taiwan and border security. Will that be the vehicle for all of these? They move together. I know there are discussions. I've, I've, I've talked to OMB, the director, about this. Um, and I know that uh, the thinking is to put all these emergency items together. Uh, and we have many foreign policy uh, you know, crises going on simultaneously. And that would be Israel. It would also mm -hmm. uh, be Ukraine. It would also be Taiwan. And I think the thing my party wants the most would be uh, border security funding uh, in this bill. I, I do think there are enough Democrats now that want to secure the border, given what we've seen recently, and especially with the migrants now who, that have come to New York, and it's a, impacting every state in the nation. So I think there's a stronger appetite on the Democrat side now for uh, funding for border security. I think that's going to be a demand from the Republicans uh, that will have to be in this aid package. What does Israel need most first? Well, they need, uh, they need our resolution showing absolute support from the American people. They need the interceptors to replenish the Iron Dome. They need uh, the precision-guided missiles, which will save civilian lives. 
uh, ammunition. They also need our, our people there that can help them go house to house in this. What's going to be, uh, Joe, it's not going to end in days. It may not end in weeks. This operation in Gaza, I think the American people need to understand, it could take months for them to do this. And what I worry about is the narrative shifting from Israel being the victim to Israel being the perpetrator as they go into Gaza to rescue the hostages that are there and also take out the terrorists. And I hope people will remember what happened last Saturday. You know, I was in a kibbutz last year with Speaker McCarthy, then Speaker McCarthy, in a kibbutz on the border of Gaza, the closest one to Gaza. Um, and they gave us a tour. They showed us a daycare center, their alarm system. At that time, 4,500 rockets had come out from Gaza into that community. Uh, I got uh, reporting that they slaughtered uh, not only all the adults in that community, but they went into the daycare center and killed the children and be actually beheaded uh, some of the babies. And the, the, the videos I've been receiving, Joe, absolutely grotesque. Uh, even seeing two to three-year-old children in animal cages, treated like dogs. This is, uh, this is evil, pure evil, as the president said, and we need to stand together against it. Mr. Chairman, thank you for the time today, uh, sharing your thoughts on a lot of stories here from the Speaker to Israel. He is chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall, the Republican from Texas. We thank you for the time. I do want to make clear that Bloomberg News cannot verify the accuracy of any of the videos that we're seeing, these horrid videos on social media that many of you are seeing as well. We know that they are there, but they are not part of our reporting. If you want to see verified information, you can always find it on the terminal and at Bloomberg.com and right here as well on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. As we move on, Kaylee Lines will join the conversation coming up next. We have a nominee to be speaker. No one thought we'd be saying that today. Will Hurd, the former Republican presidential candidate, will join us straight ahead on the fastest show in politics. Hour two of Sound On starts right now. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing. 
the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. And we have news. This is not what we thought we were going to be talking about this no. yesterday. We've been saying that a lot lately. How about we get to this uh, via the tweet and I still call them tweets from Thomas Massey. I feel like yeah. it illustrates everything. Thanks to producer James for this. Thomas Massey tweets, surprises are for little kids at birthday parties, not Congress. Mm. So I let Scalise know in person he does not have my vote on the floor because he has not articulated a viable plan for avoiding an omnibus. Steve Scalise, what we're trying to say here is, uh, has been nominated to be the next speaker. Yeah, nominated by a, a majority of yep. the Republican conference members who were present at the secret ballot earlier today. That does not mean, though, Joe, that he has secured N no. the 217 votes well, he will need from. to actually get the Speaker's gavel. Clearly, he has not secured Thomas Massey's. <laughs> right. Happy birthday, Steve Scalise. Uh, is it his birthday? No. Oh, I love that. I, well, he needs over 100 more. He got 113, yeah. right? So um, now Bloomberg is reporting that Jim Jordan is racing to meet with Steve Scalise. We're going to have At a little deal here, maybe. Is that why we care about that? Well, this is the question. Is is it just about the speaker or is it about what the contours of the rest of the Republican leadership is going to look like under a potential okay. speaker Scalise? Yeah. I just wonder. So if majority leader Jordan is where you're going. Potentially or another leadership position. Maybe that could be enough to placate those members of the Republican conference who had supported Jim Jordan, who, frankly, a handful of them say they still will vote for Jordan on the floor, yeah. not Steve Scalise. It mm -hmm. makes me wonder what kind of backroom dealing perhaps could be done to help shore up Whitmore votes for Steve Scalise. Yeah, it's interesting. They knocked down this uh, idea of raising the threshold on the nomination. That was something yeah. that Scalise wanted knocked down. It was Correct. done for him. He's got the nomination now. But we have no reason to believe this is going to be transferable on the floor. Uh, Michael McCall was just with us. Mm -hmm. uh, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee says as early as an hour from now, they could be having that floor vote. 3 p.m. Washington time. A lot of work to, between, to oh do God. between now and then. If that's, that's why the this case. meeting is key here. Yeah. I'm sure, Kaylee. We did hear from Steve Scalise as he walked into this closed door meeting. Here's what his tone sounded like. The first order of business under Speaker Steve Scalise is going to be, bring a strong resolution expressing support for Israel. We've got a very bipartisan bill, uh, the McCall-Meeks resolution, ready to go right away to express our support for Israel. We've got to get back to work. Today we're going to do that. Today we're going to do that. He may do that. Uh, Chairman McCall also let us know that the first order of business, and he did discuss this with uh, with Leader Scalise would be to bring his resolution to the mm -hmm. floor condemning the actions of Hamas and support for Israel. That would then, of course, be followed by an ask for money, the supplemental request that we've been talking so much about. 
Yeah, and we're awaiting more detail on what exactly that supplemental could look like Mm -hmm. from the Biden administration. But to your point, Joe, there is a lot of work that they would like to see get done. Yes. They still have a few steps yet to take in order to get to a place where they can get some of that work done. Yeah. You need right. a Speaker of the House. Including the Police would omnibus. need the gavel in hand. Right. We're right. going to start using that swear word again. Things like CR, omnibus, yep. things that cause small insurrections. This is where we begin with Will Hurd, the former Republican presidential candidate, former uh, congressman from Texas and former CIA officer, is with us now on Bloomberg Sound On. Uh, congressman, it's good to see you. Welcome back to Bloomberg. It's good to have you here. I'd like to start with the, the matter of Israel and your experience, not only as a member of Congress, but also uh, a CIA officer. Chairman McCall uh, brought forth the matter of an intelligence failure. We've heard about this quite a bit since last weekend. He said the Egyptians gave intelligence to Israel that could have prevented this attack three days before it happened. Why do you think they did not respond? Well, I think the Israelis has questioned whether uh, the information was valid. I, I haven't seen a, a confirmation of that. But but ultimately, this was attacks that have been planning uh, probably uh, months, if not years, in, in the works. And so, uh, you know, part of it was that Hamas went real low tech. Um, they weren't using smartphones and technology. They were doing some 2G related stuff. Uh, when it came to the day of the attack, uh, they basically just um, used bulldozers and, and and went through certain areas that people uh, weren't prepared for that kind of uh, of activity. Uh, but this is something that I know the Israeli government is is, is looking into now. Uh, but this is it's just getting even more complicated. You have Hezbollah. It seems to be um, getting into this fight. The fact that you have uh, the UAE, the Emiratis telling the Syrians to stay out of this. Um, This is, uh, we live in a complicated world and we always have to be prepared uh, for for things that we don't necessarily uh, uh, plan for. And that goes to the United States um, as well. And that's why I think Congress and the House specifically, all these jokers that are trying to prevent um, Steve Scalise from becoming the, the next speaker, I need to get in line, make sure we get a, a leader of the House so we can do things like pass a, a DOD budget. The Senate needs to be passing um, you know, ambassadors and folks within DOD uh, because we need Need to have uh, be at full strength um, for for what's going to be coming in the next weeks and months. So, Congressman, just to double down on that, your message to your former colleagues in the Republican uh, conference in the House is: get in line, vote for Steve Scalise. That's what you'd be telling them today. Yeah, look, there's there's you know I don't know if it's still eight, um, but the people that are that are holding out, what's your idea, right? You know, they think you know, come on, Tom Massey, put forward what your plan is. If you think you can do it better, put your name forward and 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 be speaker. And and my you know, so so yeah, they they need to they they, they think they're smarter than everybody else. Um, they're holding out for 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 issues that uh, they already get access to. The fact that people want to say, "Oh, we don't want an omnibus." Well, where were they in the last six months when the appropriations bills was moving through committee? Um, they were the ones that were preventing a vote um, on the rule that brings some of these appropriations bills to the floor. So, so yes, I would tell um, these the folks that are c- currently holding out. Um, we need it, it, it's the, the rest of the world is watching. Americans are watching. Um, there's a lot of problems that, you know, people are dealing with here and our allies are dealing around the world. And um, we need to make sure we have a, a legislative branch that actually is functioning. 
Yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, apparently, the first order of business uh, will be a resolution uh, regarding mm-hmm. Israel and then an ask for funding. Do you think this is a smart move combining Israeli funding with Ukrainian funding, border security funding, and Taiwan? Or is this what's wrong with Washington, as some might suggest? Well, look, I, I am a, a opponent of having the 12 appropriations bills, having them come through committee, having the yeah. committee debate these, right? Like that's the process. But now with, uh, I think the, we're less than 30 days now for the next um, you know, cliff of, of, of interim funding running out. Um, you also can't run, you know, a large business like the American government, you know, we're fortune zero, or you would be the largest company in the world. And, and, and having, you know, DOD not be able to make decisions from a long-term planning is, is a problem. You know, we hear about these issues of, 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 of ammunition problem, right? If we're helping the Ukrainians and we're helping the Israelis, we got to make sure that we have enough and, and we need to be having long-term planning plans in place um, to ensure that we don't have a munitions problem if this if this conflict in, in increases or to, in order to protect ourselves. Um, so so that's where I think we should go. Uh, but but I, I keep saying this over and over that the world is only getting more dangerous and um, mm. Hezbollah being in, in, in place uh, and playing now is is potentially going to make this more complicated. We need to be putting sanctions back on the Iranians because the Iranians are, are, are obviously involved in some form or fashion here. Um, and so so these are the steps that we need to be taking in order to protect Americans, um, but also our allies. We can't do this by ourselves. And our and and guess what? The rest of the world is watching. The, the, the Chinese government is trying to blame the current crisis in Israel on the United States, uh, which is absolutely r- ridiculous. And so so but having these having these dumb food fights um, in Washington that happen almost every six months um, is a waste of everybody's time. Well, as you talk about the world being dangerous and potentially expanding, we are just getting some headlines out from Admiral John Kirby, who, of course, is a spokesman for the NFC, saying there is no sign of a new actor trying to widen the Israel conflict yet. And yet when we think about where we began this conversation, Congressman, about the intelligence failures, how can we be so sure we wouldn't miss an escalation of some kind? The head of the IRGC Quds Force was in the region uh, months ago, meeting with all these actors that are involved now. The fact that you're saying seeing the same tactics, techniques, and procedures used by Hezbollah that, that, that Hamas did over on Saturday is an indication right there that there is a, a level of coordination. Uh, these two groups would not have done this level of activity uh, without a, a, a tacit approval um, from their masters, which is which is ultimately Iran. And, and this is the problem that the the Biden administration is playing. Like this this notion that they're trying to not you know make Iran out to be the bad guy. Uh, the Iranian government is not going to change its spots. They have been lying to and misleading the enti- the international community for over 30 years. Um, they have been killing innocent people for over 30 years. They killed their own people that are protesting. And so this notion that we, you know, hey, there's not a smoking gun that the Iranians are behind it. The fact that you had the leader of, in essence, the combination of Iranian special forces and intelligence meeting with senior leaders of these groups that did this attack. Um, that's that I, we call that smoke. I have to ask you about the campaign that you just left, and I'm sure that 
you're going through some interesting emotions having come off the trail here, but you did endorse Nikki Haley. Will Hurd, uh, I wonder your thoughts on how she can close the gap, if that's even possible with Donald Trump, who's leading her anywhere from 50 to 60 points, depending on the polls. I know she's emerging as a real contender for number two here, but Donald Trump won't even be on the stage again at this next debate, and no one seems to be able to lay a glove on him. Well, he's not going to be on the debate because he's afraid to debate and he's afraid to have people come at him. And, and ultimately, uh, one of the things that Nikki Haley has right now is she has momentum. Um, she has a great grassroots game um, on the ground in places like Iowa and and in New Hampshire. Yes, Donald Trump is 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 the leader of the pack right now. Uh, but Donald Trump being the Republican nominee is not inevitable. And one of the reasons that Nikki Haley is is building momentum is she's trying to make sure America is focused on the most important issues. That's national security, border security, our, our economy, education. And, and imagine, you know, with, with this complicated world that we've just been talking about for the last couple of years, I want someone who can go in on day one and deal with these issues. I don't want people that are in their 80s um, having to deal with this or completely unpredictable. And, and that's why, you know, as I wanted to be the nominee, mm -hmm. but that's why I'm proud to ultimately support um, Ambassador Haley, because I think she she has the tools and the momentum um, to put a dent. We have a long way to go before voting happens, yeah. but it's important that we start consolidating um, between Halloween and 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 Thanksgiving uh, because this is you know this is a critical time um, in these campaigns. We can't make the same mistakes in twenty six that we made in twenty sixteen. Congressman, we only have thirty seconds left, but what does it signal to you that former President Trump? said he endorsed Jim Jordan for the speaker's nomination and he didn't get it. Well, Donald Trump is not the kingmaker that he thinks he is and that there's a lot of people uh, that are, are sick and tired of his baggage and recognize that the last time Donald Trump won was in 2016. He lost the Senate mm -hmm. in 2018. He lost the House in 2020 and he's written a red way from happening. And this is, you know, this is not going to change. Glad to have you back with us. Will Hurd, don't be a stranger. The former congressman, former CIA officer, and yeah, former Republican presidential candidate with us today on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew with Kaylee Lines. Breaking news on The Speaker next. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. 
Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. We have breaking news on the race for speaker. If you've been with us since we took air about 90 minutes ago, You've been following along. We have a nominee. That's how this all began around 1 p.m. Eastern time. Steve Scalise nominated by his Republican colleagues, at least some of them in the House. Not enough to actually win the speakership, though. And it's still unclear exactly when this is going to go to the floor. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington, along with Kaylee Lines. We do have an important development since then, though, Mm -hmm. Kaylee, because, of course, we had Scalise and Jim Jordan. And it appears Jim Jordan is now in Camp Scalise. Yeah, we know that Jordan and Scalise met in the Capitol just a short time ago. And now, per Congressman Jordan's spokesperson, we understand that what Jordan offered was to give the nominating speech for Scalise on the floor. Amazing. That seems like a real unity move. That would be be the move. You'd think would be a signal for all of those who had endorsed Jordan and voted for him in this closed-door secret ballot session today to get behind Scalise and get the House of Speaker. Now, we know there are uh, some lawmakers, maybe many members of the Republican conference who are not on board with Scalise. He got 113 out of 221 votes. Tom Massey says he's not on board on Twitter. Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Taylor Greene is not on board. He can afford four, I guess. At this point, we need 217 Mm -hmm. to actually get the job. And uh, it must be a flurry behind closed doors right now with Steve Scalise, a master at whipping votes trying to get everybody on board here. Maybe it's already done. It could be done. Yeah, and we're waiting to find out. And, of course, the timing is still very much a question mark at this point. We're getting reports from CNN that there will not be a vote on actually electing a speaker yeah. this afternoon. We're going to have to wait and obviously get the the final call on that. But mm-hmm. it just kind of speaks to the fact that there's still some whipping to do around this. By no Big means time. has Scalise firmly sealed the deal yet. Yeah, nobody's going in front of the C-SPAN cameras until this Uh, is settled. Uh, We spoke earlier uh, in the broadcast about a half an hour ago with Michael McCall, the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, who briefed all the members earlier today on the situation in Israel. He said that a vote could come as soon as 3 p.m., which would be 35 minutes from now. But if the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee doesn't know, it's clear that this is a very fluid situation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So we should talk to Wendy about it and see what she's got. She's actually been on the news desk until about two seconds ago. Wendy Benjaminson, uh, Washington senior editor here at Bloomberg. It's good to see you. This is uh, this is shifting beneath our feet. We're going to have a speaker by the end of the day. 
Uh, your guess is as good as mine, <laughs> Joe, from everything you and Kaylee were just saying and, and from what's happening up there. I mean, Jim Jordan says he's going to nominate them. There are people saying they aren't going to vote for them. Uh, if they, I think having the vote is probably something Scalise wants because let's just wrap this up and move right. on. Yeah. I do think they may be being pressured, one, by the impression the U.S. is getting that these guys are may not be fit to govern, that there's kind of a clown car atmosphere around all of this since they ousted McCarthy, while there are some very, very serious issues going on, not the least of which is the war in Israel and the spending fight that is that needs to happen before November 17th when it shuts down again. But there are already people complaining about the vote at 3 o'clock, saying that doesn't give us enough time. We don't know who we're going to vote for. So the House, as is typical, may recess and come back tomorrow and try it again. Well, and it's worth noting, they at least a decent chunk of them tried to get themselves more time to do this behind closed doors. Yeah. That that rules right. change That's proposal right. that got tabled earlier today, but would have raised the threshold to make sure that 217 was secure before it got to the floor. Well, I bet Scalise is pretty happy that rules change got blocked yeah. because right. he got 113. He's got a ways to go to sure. lock this up. But what that means, though, Wendy, is that to your point about kind of the public perception and, oh, clown show, whatever – they might have to go through many rounds publicly on the floor in front of the American people and the rest of the world again if That's he doesn't right. secure 217 in advance. That's right. And the next thing that will happen, you know, as I can be pretty certain, is that Donald Trump, who endorsed Jim Jordan, will start complaining about Steve mm-hmm. Scalise, will harden some of the people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tom Massey against Scalise, and, um, you know, really help smooth things out. Yeah. We talked to Rick Davis about that last hour and he, you know, because the idea that Scalise wouldn't want that threshold raised and expose himself to potential embarrassment on the floor. He said it's politics. Mm. The only rule is to live to fight another day. (laughs) And so here he is now. Maybe that does take place behind closed doors. Uh, Jim Jordan might be the key to that. Mm. But we're still not sure where all the eight members stand. Matt Gates is in Scalise's camp, right? Based yeah, on what you saw Scalise on Twitter. Scalise greater than McCarthy yeah. was, okay. the, was the tweet. But he had <laughs> said, and he told you and Anne Marie on Balance of Power, Joe, that He's he would be with fine either. with either. Sure. That either Jordan or Scalise was better in his mind than Kevin McCarthy. Well, so is, is Kevin McCarthy drinking something expensive tonight? Is this idea of a unity candidate gone? A unity speaker? You mean him being yeah, a unity speaker? Yeah, named Kevin McCarthy. It may be. I mean, I think his idea when he said yesterday, don't nominate me today or tomorrow, meaning yesterday or today at this point, I think he was thinking he could come in and be the knight in shining armor right. on a white horse and save the day. Miss me at yet? The end. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But maybe he doesn't need to. I think, you know, honestly, I think Kevin McCarthy's interest is in this coming together because Mm. they will, you know, this will hurt their chances to hold the majority even a year from now if this sort of shenanigans keep going on. And there are some serious issues, as I said, that need to be addressed. And I think they all realize that. Well, and given those issues which there is a bipartisan call for the issue of Israel to be addressed, for Congress to pass a resolution condemning Hamas or do whatever needs to be done in in terms of approving additional aid. Mm -hmm. Could we see, knowing that urgency, Democrats do something we wouldn't expect them to? 
I don't here? think or so. Or is that just... I don't, I don't think so this time. I, I think perhaps if this were a 9-11 situation, and God forbid it would be a 9-11 situation, I think if it were something on American soil mm. involving more Americans, maybe. At that extreme, would they do something? But right now, they're going to put up Hakeem Jeffries as mm-hmm. their nominee. Mm-hmm. Then Steve Scalise will probably be the nominee that the Republicans put up. And then they'll... Jeffries won't have enough votes. Mm. Scalise may have enough vote, not have enough votes. And then we're back to the January show all over again. The January show. <laughs> that could be on Netflix. I that feel like be, it would yeah. be a big hit. Kind of Lots of seasons. A sure. of years, actually. Uh, Larry David directed. Um, so we, as I mentioned, heard from uh, Chairman McCall, Michael McCall, Republican from Texas. He's got a lot of influence in the conference. And he's got his eyes on the eight who caused this. Here's what he told us. And I think that's going to be the critical mass uh, point here is getting uh, getting some of those eight votes to, to move over to, to unify as a conference. Uh, this is not good for the Republican Party if we can't unify, but it's not good for the American people either, um, especially at a, the dangerous time that we're in right now. What I meant said to my conference was that we cannot afford this anymore. Let's, let's be grown-ups in the room, let's get a speaker in the chair, and let's do the business of the people and stop messing around with politics. I suspect he might have more colorful language for someone like Matt Gates in person, but you can hear the concern in the chairman's voice. Absolutely, you can hear his concern, and we heard it from Larry Hogan, the former Maryland governor, who we had mm-hmm. in yesterday at the in the Bloomberg newsroom, true. to say called Matt Gates a cancer yeah. on Congress. This is really he is on not the record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is not the most popular guy in the House right now for causing all of these mm-hmm. problems yeah. in an election year where they do want to look. Like grown-ups in the room. It's just so funny that we keep coming back to that phrase, the grown-up in the room. I mean, McCarthy (laughs) said it a couple weeks ago, and we keep coming back to that. And, you know, being a House member, as Governor Hogan said, means more than a social media clever quip. Well, and that's one unpopular guy in the Republican conference. Another at this moment is Congressman George Santos, who is now facing an expulsion resolution after a superseding (gasps) indictment. Yesterday, yeah, and he was stealing donors' identities. That's the charge, That's right? I mean, how long does he have in this house? Do you oh, think? I think we should get out the watch and start, start looking at this. I think right now, if they can get past the speaker nonsense, there will be a vote to expel him. There, I mean, it's his own delegation that put up the right. motion from the to expel him. Yeah, so they, I mean, they want to stay. In power. Remember, that's what drives politicians, right? Mm-hmm. Staying in power. Mm-hmm. And if you have someone who is dragging the whole group down, then they're going to they're going to chuck them even out. Even if it makes the math even more difficult that's true. for mm-hmm. a thin Republican. And I majority. think a Republican has already announced that he or she—I don't remember who it is—will run um, for Santos' seat, even though that's kind of a Democratic area yeah, in Long Island. Right. But. Yeah. We'll see. We saw the Swazi campaign announcement as well. That'll be an interesting race, yeah. <laughs> uh, no matter who it is. Uh, Wendy, great to have you as always. Wendy Benjaminson from the newsroom here at Bloomberg. She'll be back to running the terminal now that we're letting her go. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern time at Bloomberg.com. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. 
Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.